I have recorded this introduction multiple times. I keep deleting it. I really don't know how to start this podcast because I've been gone for so long, but we're back. And I just want to say thank you for your patience and thank you to those of you who have reached out to me in my Instagram DMs, in my Facebook Messenger, on YouTube, who are wondering where the heck are you? Is everything okay? You ghosted us and what's going on. So I'm going to get into all of that. I have so much to catch you up on in this comeback podcast, how I'm tracking, how I'm revamping my meals, where I'm at with my weight. Did I gain weight? How I'm feeling about life, everything. So let's just dive into it. I want to put a little reminder for myself um, when I think about why I haven't been recording the podcast. I get frozen like a deer caught in the headlights. It's this interesting thing where I feel like if, if, Maybe I didn't have the childhood that I had. Like my real inner true self is somebody that wants to be in relationship with people, communicating with people. I mean, I've shared with you that as a little kid, I would pretend lots of different games, like teacher, very, you know, most little girls play in teacher. I play grocery store clerk. But one of my top favorite games to play was radio DJ. So that I feel like is a little bit abnormal (laughs) and that makes me feel like there was already from a young age this inherent desire to record myself and talk out into the atmosphere to people around the world that might be listening. The problem with that is, is I think my upbringing, my trauma, the whole stuff, you have to remember that I lived my 20-ish years of my life keeping a really big secret. And that secret was that my dad was a very abusive alcoholic. And nobody knew. And I kept that secret for my family. It was unspoken. It wasn't like anybody said, keep the secret. It's just I came out into this world knowing that this is not what we shared with other people. So I have this lens that I see the world through, which is sometimes I need to keep a lot of stuff private and I kind of go into my shell and I shut down and I don't want anybody looking at me. I want to go into a cocoon and just shut the world out and just keep a very private life. Yet there's this other part of me that is, I think, the true me that is below all of the trauma that wants to be connected, that wants that's a, that wants to tell my story, that wants to be in relationship. And so that's this war sometimes that I feel like inside of me that I just freeze. I freeze because I don't know which path to go. And I think the culmination came for me, you know, when I decided to start my Sheila Jane recovery, Weight Watchers and Recovery podcast, I didn't think anybody was going to listen. I just wanted to document my journey. I just wanted to 
I knew that if I talked it out, it would help me process this, this experience of what I really wanted was to finally lose the weight, keep it off and have the life beyond my wildest dreams as a woman who was not obese with a lot of health concerns and where my anxiety was essentially taking over my life. I had no idea that people would even find, that you would find this podcast. I just posted it and it seemed to just take off. And before I knew it, I had thousands of people, women tuning in, mostly women, um, tuning in and listening. And that really surprised me because in my personal life, if you knew me, and I know one of my friends that's listening is going to be like, oh, you're so chatty. Yeah, I'm chatty with you because I vibe with you and I feel safe with you. <laughs> we just went out to a happy hour a few weeks back and she's actually a friend that I met. That The, the universe works in mysterious ways. She listened to my podcast. We happen to live in the same area and now we've become like really good friends. Yes, with you, I feel you bring out the best in me and I love my friendship with you and I'm my true authentic self, which is a chatty, I want to share about my life with a lot of people in my life, even some very, very close friends. I just let other people talk. I tend to want to just kind of fade into the background and I honestly feel like they don't really want to listen to my stories that my stories, and and this just might all be my perception, but I think I am a little bit intuitive when I'm around people. Um, They don't really want to listen to my stories and what really the experiences that I have in life. I tend to listen more to them and ask more questions and be more of an interviewer of their lives than I share about mine. And that's honestly a role I've played for a lot of my life which also makes sense because if I can't talk about what was going on in my home life, it was best to deflect off of me and focus on other people because then I could keep that nightmare of my home life secret and private. That's just what I'm used to. Don't focus on me. Let's just focus on you. That's every relationship with a man for the most part that I've ever had. I felt like I've, except for my first love, the first love of my life, I, which is back in college, I have felt like the, man, the men that I've been with could care less truly about knowing about my childhood, my life, my deep interests, my view of the world. I, I, I know now that It's not the best situation to set yourself up with a man and want to be a therapist, which that's just what I, I, how I felt I could provide value in the world to people. Once again, deflecting off of me and helping everyone else with their problems. Um, But I'm learning now that that's not the foundation of a good relationship with a man. At first they may like it and think it's important, but then they lose value for you. They, Anyways, we don't have to go down that path. Um, so <laughs> I I'm guess sorry, oops, I my Siri is always chiming in at the wrong moments. 
This is new. I'm sorry. Siri, seriously, don't be sorry, but you need to stop. I don't know if you could hear that. I'm going to take my watch off. It's the way I ha- I'm holding the phone and then it clicks the button on my watch. So you can tell as I try to describe this, I really am at, I'm very conflicted inside. I beat myself up a lot internally that who wants to listen to me? I, you know, tend to take the back seat and I'm not the storyteller, yet here I am hosting this podcast about weight loss and recovery and thousands of people are tuning in. And then let's add on top of that what really came crashing down last year, which was a divorce after being only married for less than a year and becoming a Weight Watchers national virtual coach, which is a public forum. And the divorce was very embarrassing for me. It brought on a lot of shame in my life. And I wanted to crawl under a rock and just hide from the world, to be very honest with you. Um, And I feel still, so there isn't a social media account that I have where I see that people in my ex-husband's world watch my stories of that account like a hawk to be just blunt with you. I will post a story and it does not fail that people in his world and including him watch my stories immediately. And it feels very exposing to me and it feels like I don't understand. I mean, I do understand. (laughs) Um, It's curiosity, right? It's like, what is she up to? Um, oh my, you know, I can only imagine what the interest would be to watch my every move so closely when these people, it's not like they really went out of their way to get to know me or, um, I'm not in their life anymore. And you might be thinking, okay, well, why don't you just block them or unfollow, have them unfollow them? And I've thought, I've gone back and forth with that a lot of different times. And one thing that I have learned in my entire journey with my weight loss is when you push through uncomfortable situations that you would normally react and you try an alternate behavior it is an incredible growth opportunity. So as you can tell, I have a lot of mixed feelings that come up with this and I have decided, and in the future, I may decide to just go a different path and remove them or make sure they can't see my stuff. But I have sat for the last year with how does this make me feel and using it as an opportunity because one of my biggest trauma responses is fear of what other people think of me and feeling exposed. And there they are, like right at the top of the watch, watching me like a hawk. And um, it's really helping me get, um, what is it called? Uh, it's, what is, there's a word I'm looking for where it's like immersion therapy, where you're just 
in it all the time. And so eventually you just get kind of, you're in more in acceptance of it. I bring this up because I don't know what people have access to anymore. <laughs> like everything, obviously I'm in a public forum. I'm recording this podcast and anybody can listen to it. Um, I know people have access to it. Of course, I want this to be public. I want to help. My purpose of recording this podcast is because I want to connect with women who want recovery from food addiction, trauma, and are wanting to embark on a health journey. I want them to find me and I want to connect with them. But that is impossible to clear out all the extra stuff that I don't want to interact with my content. So thankfully, I created my private Patreon, which I've talked about before, and I've been gone for weeks, but I've been in there. I try to record an audio in there every week, and it is my safe haven. It is my safe place where there's an intimate group of incredible women who get access to these very philosophical weight loss type audios that I record and personal audios that I record under a more of a private structure. So I have been recording. I have been making audios. They just haven't been here because I've been frozen. Do I think that people are going to go out of their way to listen to my podcast? No. If they do, that's really... It's like that Mariah Carey song that I love so much that I think I've sang on the podcast. Like, you have to listen to it. Why are you so obsessed with me? And she does this great line about Windex. Like, I can see right... Oh, it's so good, you guys. I can see right through you like you're bathing in Windex, I think is the line. Oh, I love her so much. I just watched a TikTok of her. She's such a hoot. Mariah Carey is supposed to throw the pitch at this baseball game. This is years ago. And she goes to throw it and she just throws the ball right into the ground, like right in front of her. She does this huge throw, but it doesn't go anywhere, but it just goes straight into the ground. She's she's hysterical. Anyways, I don't know. I don't know, but I'm I get scared. I got I get scared. Here I am going through this divorce trying to figure this world out that I feel like the rug got ripped out from under me and I have a lot of opinions about it. (laughs) I'm an Aries. (laughs) I try to be so, I'm trying to be so good, you guys, like in my highest consciousness and you know, I am just level-headed and going to be rational and calm. And (laughs) I will always, always have a feisty little feister feistiness inside of me that just wants to be feisty. And my wheels are always turning and I've got something to say and opinions about this. And I've got a TikTok for every single one of these opinions. And it's so hard for me to be an adult that keeps my feelings and opinions to myself and just tries to do it um, with grace and dignity. 
So that makes me frozen. That there were times in my life, man, oh, if I had had this podcast back then, wow, you would have gone on a tantalizing journey of my life and everything that I was thinking about, everything. And um, I just literally tongue-tied sometimes. Where it's like, well, what am I going to say? There's such a big part of my life right now is processing almost six years that I spent with somebody. We got married. The rug was pulled out from under me, and I have a lot of thoughts about it. And I do just want to say here, most of the thoughts that I have are honestly, at the end of the day, What was my part? And my part is the biggest revelation that I've had is, and I'll talk about this in a little bit, pre-food sobriety me versus after food sobriety me. And the choices that I made pre-living a life of of way more food sobriety versus the life that I lead now. Okay, so that's a part that was making me frozen. And then I am loving being a Weight Watchers virtual national coach. It is so amazing. And um, it takes up time. And it's a very, um, you know, because I lead the workshop. So it's a front-facing role. And I know some of you attend my workshops and you listen to the podcast. And I think that's fantastic. This podcast is completely not affiliated with anything related to Weight Watchers. I'm on Weight Watchers, so I talk about points and tracking and all of this stuff. I started this podcast way before I became a national virtual coach. So I think sometimes I get frozen where I'm like, oh, all I, I, need, I just need to talk about Weight Watchers and oh, and I have to be this way. I can't... <sighs> All you've known me, if you've been with me from the beginning, and what I've heard feedback that you appreciate about me is I'm pretty unfiltered. I just tell you about my life and I tell it like it is. I'm not trying to be perfect anymore. I'm not trying to be somebody that you would ever put on a pedestal that has it all figured out. I am you, and that's what makes this podcast special, that we that I can show up in my humanness so that you know you're not alone and we're humans in this together. I'm never going to claim I'm a guru, that I have it all figured out, that, I mean, it's just not, I've I've done that in previous careers in my life and I've tried to be like other podcasters and it's like, I don't want to do that. It's not authentic to me. So I think I freeze sometimes because I feel caught in um, confusion about how to blend my worlds, blend my worlds of a coach for Weight Watchers and the girl that you started listening to in July of 2020, who's bumbling along on trying to figure out my recovery weight loss journey. And lastly, I'm really frozen in my life because I am in the most intense 
trauma therapy for the past year. I'm going into my second year. And we are, this is no joke. (laughs) This is a weekly session where I am finally coming face to face with recognizing the depth of trauma that I have I experienced for most of my childhood and and young adult and into my early adult life. It's it makes me freeze. I freeze because it's so intense to relive. I mean, one of the exercises that I had to do was basically go through a trauma inventory and go through all of my memories. I mean, you can only imagine that took months and it is, um, my, the way it's described to me is, you know, when you go get a massage, they tell you after the massage, make sure you drink lots of water, you rest. After I have these sessions of, trauma work, I am, it's a lot. So that makes me freeze because I'm trying to process really intense things I've never processed before. So that is kind of why I can't, I never claimed on this podcast that this was some professional thing This podcast is free. It is just, I'm not a podcaster. It's a podcast, but I am just speaking to you. Like I always said, my tagline has always been like I picked up the phone to call a friend. I don't have a schedule. I don't have fancy music like all the other podcasts. I don't interview people it's just raw, uncut, unfiltered. And um, if I disappear, I know it's hard and I've disappeared on my Instagram. I'm going to be coming back, but it makes sense to me. And I've kicked around the idea of maybe I just record the podcast in the fall and the winter and then the beginning of spring and then I take a break in the summer. I just don't think that way because I'm not thinking of this as just casual, but I understand how frustrating it must be on your end when you get used to an irregularly uploaded episode and then all of a sudden I fall off the face of the earth and I I totally understand we've, we've built a relationship and you know about me and that it could be worrisome. And so I don't really know how to handle that because when I need to go into my shell and I need to take care of me and it gets scary and I freeze and I'm overwhelmed, this is just, this has been how I approach things. So, um... I guess I don't have an answer for it or a solution. In the past, you've heard me. I've tried to say, I'm going to record once a month. I'm going to like, I'm not, I just can't do that anymore because I just, just things come up and I don't know how to do this publicly, public forum 
Now, like I said, with my Patreon, I am posting every single week. That just has been something that I have felt more official with. It's behind a paywall. I am, you know, very, try to be very consistent over there. Um, So, yeah. Going back to what I was saying about pre-food sobriety and after food sobriety and how I was saying that I'm really seeing my part. And so I just want to emphasize that there's been a lot of self-awareness in the last several months, the last year of, and even it started during the pandemic when I was, before I was married and then right when I was married. I started, when I started to come out of my food-induced fog. Because if we look, if I look at addiction, addiction to me is when I choose, well, if I look at my dad, let's say I'll look at him. If I look at my dad's addiction to alcohol, he had some really big feelings and a lot of fears and turned to alcohol to numb and cope with big things that he didn't want to deal with he or he could not deal with. He wasn't capable because it may swallow him whole. And so alcohol became his main coping tool, even though it is a destructive coping tool to survive each day, even though it was silently killing him every day. Food, alcohol was not my vice. Food is a very acceptable in our society. We have to eat drug. For me, it was my drug of choice for most of my life, adult life for sure. And I didn't realize how bad it had gotten before I, before July 2020 when I basically hit rock bottom. I've shared in the podcast that food, I felt like I couldn't live without food in my orbit every hour of every single day, every second. Like, where's my next wheel? Where are my snacks? I'm working. I've got snacks by me. I'm watching TV. I've got food. Where's my, I was just always hyper-focused. Where is food? How do I feel? How can I eat more food? Because it'll make me feel better. And then I just started gaining and gaining and gaining and gaining weight. And I was eating a lot of sugar and I was eating a lot of carbs. And I was spiking my blood sugar all up and down, right, left, and sideways. I was having crashes. I was having severe anxiety. I was inflamed. I swelled up. It was a lot of the same effects that I notice in people that are drinking a lot, mood swings, um, irritability, just a lot. But food is more acceptable and it just never crossed my mind really that it was, that I was addicted to food. So the choices in life that I was making pre-food sobriety was me in a fog. I mean, really, I was grasping at life to just try to, to 
barely survive in the sense of like, I wasn't thriving. I wasn't healthy. I wasn't present. I was grasping at food and life to just keep myself afloat a little bit to keep pushing forward. Meanwhile, my nervous system was was tanked. My health was tanking. So the choices that I was making in life were out. Everything was out of desperation. Everything was out of intense fear. Everything was out of complete lack of self-esteem and self-worth. So post-divorce and looking back, now that I have a lot of food sobriety in my life, it's like, whoa, <laughs> like what? I made that decision. I let that slide. I missed that red flag. And not just about other people, but about myself. I was, I was in my own drug using state and it was with food. I believe that. It, you might feel like that's extreme or I don't know what you think about it. I'm allowed to have my own opinion. And when I look back, it was, um, yeah, I was not in my right mind. I was medicating with food 24 hours a day, seven days a week for years, years, decades, decades. <sighs> um, So a lot of my reflection in the last year and some change has been painful to sit at the end of this humiliating divorce and look back at the choices I was making not as a sober person. And it's sad. I'm sad I'm sad for myself and I'm sad of what I put myself through and I'm sad. There's a lot of grief, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. Grief for all of that. In my life now, the thing about food is it's not like alcohol sobriety where... I mean, I guess in some extent I could maybe categorize what if I went through a day of absolute food sobriety, I'm not going to be that particular because I know when it comes to food, that can lead to a lot of disordered type thinking. So I have to be looser about it and more general and more um, holistic about my approach and to me, food sobriety is like the 80-20 rule, really. I mean, I think that's a great example of 80% of the time, 80% of the day, I am alert, I'm paying attention, I'm making choices that I know fuel my body, body heal my body, keep me mentally sober. I'm not doing the, you know, wake up in the morning you know, slamming the goldfish that sends me on a roller coaster, eating the carb heavy lunch that just, you know, you know what I mean? I'm not eating the sugar after lunch. That's, you know, food sobriety to me now is 80% of the time, 80% of the day, am I making choices based on awareness 
of how this food is going to make me feel, how it's going to impact me, and how it's going to impact others around me. I'm in the driver's seat. I am taking control of myself. And through that, my self-esteem has risen. My self-confidence has risen. And then, of course, 20% of the time, your girl still goes out. I mean, I'm not even to the part of this podcast where I'm talking about, this is going to be so long, my summer. I'm still eating, the, you know, expl- you know, doing all the things, eating amazing food, indulging all within reason. But when I make those decisions to indulge or go out with friends, I am aware of my decisions. I have kind of an action plan. There's just more sobriety around it. Um, it feels good to mention that because that's been a big part of my growth this last year, several years. So summer, I mean, how have I been? Summer was amazing for me. I've always been a winter, fall girly. That's totally changed. (laughs) I am not anymore. I mean, I love the idea of it. I, of course, I love cozy times. You know me, but I bloomed this summer. It was just my first summer of my food sobriety and being out in the world and awake, awake. I'm not going out anymore to fill the void and just, I'm living my life now with from food and beyond with intention of who I spend my time with, what I say yes to, where I go, why I go there and how it's going to make me feel. All the philosophies that I've learned about food, I apply to all other areas of my life to what I'm going to be consuming, whether it's food or people or conversation or music or atmosphere. If it's going in my mouth, my ears, my eyes, my aura, I want to be intentional about how I approach it. And so this summer, I was weekly going to amazing cover bands and dancing to live music. I fully immerse myself in my love of fashion again through my food sobriety. It's like I'm awake. I'm back to rediscovering myself. Um, I am loving fashion, loving getting dressed up in colors. And I did a lot of self-tanner this summer. So I was in like my J-Lo bronze goddess era I was doing a lot of swimming with girlfriends and just feeling like I was on vacation, staycation. I had have two fabulous friends that have cars with the, to have the top go down. And so I was driving around this summer with the wind in my hair. Stella got her groove back. And this summer I've reached the lowest weight since being on this journey. I was just in my glory. In the sun, I started running a little bit again. I think I've shared that maybe if I did come on in a podcast. I honestly can't remember what I've shared and not shared. But I do an entire episode inside of my Patreon about the effects of mental load. There's like the weight the heaviness that our body carries of our actual physical weight. And then there's 
mental heaviness that comes from relationships with people that are toxic or just not a good fit. And the triggers, their triggers weigh you down and you're constantly worried about it and thinking about like the mental load that I carried for the past how many years feeling, I don't even know how to describe it. The freedom this summer of not having to freaking worry about somebody else and what they're not what they're doing. That's not what I was worried about. Well, there's certain values broadly, no matter who you come across in life, right? Where you could be worried about somebody's health, financial worries, um, what other stuff, just things that you trust and you worry about when it comes to other people or you don't trust about them. And they're triggers for you personally to not have to worry about all of that this summer and have that weight lifted off my shoulders. I just feel like a brand new person. I felt like a brand new person. And thank goodness I spent so much time reflecting in therapy. Why do I choose people that I choose in life? And what are types of people that would be good for my nervous system? And why do we go for people in life that are the exact opposite of what's good for our nervous system? And of course, it's we go for people that can create similar environments and fear and trust issues and abandonment as we grew up within our home, right? It's like psychology. What is it, Freud? Who knows? Oh, God, to be human is just so intense. So to to be able to get coaching on this is who you are and these are the type of people that you should look, you could look for that would actually help heal your nervous system and calm your nervous system. What a concept. Um, and so this summer was just magical, absolutely magical for me. So how have I been doing? My life is no longer just in black and white. I'm a full spectrum of there's... I. At the same time, I'm holding the good with the very painful. I'm holding the best I've ever felt with the just grief. I mean, it's it's another beautiful thing for me to be in more food and emotional sobriety is that I am realizing that I am strong enough to stand in a myriad of different feelings and it's all okay and I can stand strong. I also froze a little bit because I've been wanting to come on the podcast for many weeks now. This summer, out of the blue, I ended up getting two bee stings. I haven't had a bee sting for years and I ended up with two back-to-back and had like a weird reaction and it was just like a whole thing. Oh, I'll tell you this funny story. I 
the second time I got sting, I ended up going to the doctor because I developed hives that started traveling up my leg and it was just like wild. So I had a male doctor and I don't know his story. I don't know his story. Let me just say that. <laughs> he was, was he handsome? I, I, what is handsome to me? I mean, what is handsome to you? When people ask me, what guys are you attracted to? I say Will Ferrell and Seth Green. What is his name? Seth? I don't from, um, Knocked Up. Jason Seagal, like I go for tall, goofy. So like my perspective of what is hot, please take it with a grain of salt. Um, it doesn't matter. That's not the point. He was so kind to me and gently and tenderly held my leg multiple times as we inspected the bee sting hive situation together held my foot a la Cinderella and the glass slipper. He very kindly listened to my health neuroses in taking medications and this and all my fears and all my WebMD, you know, what I Googled and what I learned. And and then at the end, he was saying, well, we need to make sure that the hives don't spread past this point. So you might want to draw like dots around the hive expansion so that you can monitor if it's growing. And then he looked at me and he kind of cocked his head a little bit. He's like, do you want me to draw the dots? And I was like, yes. (laughs) And he did. It was, I just keep asking my higher power to send me examples in my life of men that are so giving of their protection and their awareness and their attention to detail. Like, I think it's such a beautiful thing when a man can be such a nurturer because they're so rooted in their masculine self-worth and can be such a protector and a provider in the sense of like, I've got you, like you're safe here. And so I've just been trying to cultivate a lot of that kind of male energy in my life. So the whole bee sting was crazy. I think there's a bee. I thought beehives were only up in the trees. Apparently bees are going underground and doing things and flying really low to the ground. And you should see me now on my blocks. I'm a millennial. So I guess millennials wear ankle socks and generation Z wears high socks. So I'm out here, nobody told me, and I'm out here walking with exposed ankles and wearing bright colored running shoes that probably look like a really delicious flower. I am out here with exposed ankles in the heart heat of bee season. And these are all angry male bees trying to get back to their hive. They know that at the end of the season, they're going to get kicked out by all the women. These men are mad. And I'm out here walking my dog, just totally naive that all of this is happening underground in the nature world. Sting me once, shame on me. No, fool me once. Okay, you guys, 
I got stung in the same place both times, but on opposite ankles. It just was so weird. If any of you, I know some of you out there are psychics, tarot card. I know one of you in particular because you've reached out to me before. What is the symbolism of bees? What is this, you know, I, I think bees are powerful. Um, I think it was supposed to be a wake-up call. So yeah, that kind of froze me because I was kind of in this uh, stuck just trying to heal. My foot swelled up. You know the marshmallow creature in Ghostbusters? That is what my foot looked like. It looked like it could float away as a Macy's Day, Thanksgiving Day parade float. Then I also had a family emergency. And I'm not going to go into the details with that, but that also completely froze me and was very traumatic and scary and Everything's hopefully going to be fine. No need to worry. But um, that was also going on in the past couple months. So, oh, and then in the midst of this, I have so much to tell you. Oh my God, we're already at an hour. Who cares? You can split this podcast into multiple parts. Um, I went out with my friend and I had been doing dating apps for a year and I had gone on a couple dates but I was getting over it and I was telling her like, I'm in during winter, I'm going to go into hibernation. I'm going to get off the, I'm going to delete the dating apps. And so we decided, no, she talked me off the ledge. We reset up my Bumble profile and it was so funny because we were doing it at dinner and then I left to go home and I couldn't figure out how to fix the filter for what I, what my preferences were. And you can only imagine me when I had done the Bumble profile before. I was very particular about my preferences. So I wasn't getting that many matches. But when we set it up, it was Helter Skelter. She picked the photos. She helped me write my thing. And then I left to come home. And I was on the road for like a good 25 minutes. By the time I got home, I think I was up to 700 because I was at that point paying for premium. 700 men in the area who had swiped like, swiped right. So another thing I think that made me freeze out for the past several months is just this whole dating world, which I talk more about it in my Patreon, is just like the wild, wild west. I have so many stories I could share. I have two best girlfriends who I crack them up because I take videos of my Bumble and my Hinge and I go through it and I talk about it as I'm swiping and what I'm noticing about the male profiles and they just think it's so hilarious. Um, But so what happened Now I'm up to almost 1,500 men in the Bay Area that have swiped right on me. Well, what happened was is that the filter was set from 18 to 80. (laughs) Which actually was the biggest gift in the world. Obviously, I quickly rectified, you know, I pushed, I bumped the age up to, um, I think at one point I put bumped it up to 28. Obviously, no, I'm not looking to date a man that's 28 years old. Please, you know me better than that. But it was such an interesting experiment 
to just leave all of the filters open and just see what happened and just notice that it's kind of slim pickings, but that there is a lot of interest and that I am a catch. And although the majority of the men I will not talk to, I need to record an episode in the Patreon about it. But long story short, it got pretty wild where at one point I think I had 12 open conversations in my messages with multiple men and I was trying to navigate it all. And I think that kind of, that takes a lot of time. And so the the, um, intensity of that has passed. We're kind of on a nicer, even keel now since I first, that was maybe like three or four weeks ago that that all went down. And so less of my mental capacity has to go towards that. Like the whole online dating world has been a very steep learning curve from over six years ago that I was doing it. And, um, Whew. it's trying to manage that and all the feelings that come up with it while trying to stay food sober has been interesting to say the least. The next thing that's happening that is taking a lot of my attention is I have decided to go back to school. And I have for many months, I love my passion and interest in food, sobriety, trauma, and combining those like health and wellness from the lens of I'm not trying to be, I'm not chasing thin. I am chasing to be in really good health and what that looks like for me. I'm not trying to be at the, you know, super muscle woman or I'm just trying to be the healthiest version of myself and realizing that my recovery with my trauma and my food addiction and mindset is such a big part of that. And so I have a big passion in my life to help other women teach them, um, share with them, explore with them all of the strategies, tools that I am learning, that I've absorbed, that have helped me lose almost 50 pounds and keep it off to live a more full life healing from the inside through to the outside of trauma and food addiction. My vision has always been that I would love to offer one-on-one sessions because I think this weight loss journey can feel very isolating and very scary. And yeah, we can talk about accountability buddies, but I've shared in podcasts that those are fleeting and sometimes not very reliable. So it's always been a goal and a vision of mine to open up my schedule to this podcast is great. I can reach a lot of you when I record an episode. Um, My YouTube channel, my Instagram, all of that is great. My Patreon is a little bit more intimate. 
But the greatest impact that would bring me the most joy is if I could meet with women who were interested one-on-one to have those really personalized conversations and help walk the path of healing, the healing journey with food and with trauma and with anything else in recovery. So it's been important to me to get certification and look at avenues of what would make me feel most most confident. I have years and years and years of coaching experience on in a variety of different platforms of my career, education, mentoring, um, lots of trauma. Like I feel like I've gotten a PhD in trauma, but it's just been important for me to have some certifications that I really feel proud of that I also offer this as a one-on-one coach. So I am in the process of getting a certification from Harvard. Yes, you heard that correctly. And um, the certifications that I'm getting are beyond that. They're in the area of nutrition and behavior change and helping women come up with plans for their health and wellness journey and my certifications that I'm getting and exploring and are in are in trauma. What I felt was missing in the world when I started my journey and that's always been missing is the food trauma connection is I am so passionate about and I think is so it's a it's a big missing conversation and I wish that I had had an opportunity to talk to someone maybe that specialized more in that and so I'm hoping that that soon um will be something that I can offer in the new year um super private one-on-one intimate sessions with you if that is so what you desire um with me (laughs) through zoom just you and me uh and I can't wait so that's another thing that's been pulling a lot of my attention because it's like I said going back to school so I adding that into my schedule has been such a joy and is so exciting and at the same time I'm trying to figure out how to balance all of it Okay, where am I with my journey? I was the lowest I was this summer. I think I clocked in at 185. And you know, I'm trying to get to 182. Remember, I'm 5'10". I'm a tall, curvy girl. And I just in the summer, it's just the best, right? It's like I'm walking all the time. It's long days. I'm super active. I'm loving my salads. And then the winter cold months come and the days get shorter and I am just a little kitchen gremlin. So I have gained a few pounds in summer, but I am tracking foods with points I've revamped kind of, I, I was realizing one of my pitfalls, my downfalls was not having a really good grasp on just my, what I call my uniform, my daily, weekly uniform of what I'm eating. 
I go out at least once a week to do something fun that usually typically revolves around food or maybe a glass of wine. So it's not all boring, but for the most part, what keeps me on the straight and narrow with my food sobriety is a uniformed schedule of kind of what I've got in rotation. So for breakfast, I don't want to be eating a ton of eggs. Another, oh, (laughs) I forgot to tell you, another whole piece of this journey has been walking a path with my mom as she learns more about her heart health. And that's been kind of this scary, eye-opening journey with her, like cholesterol. She's running a bunch of tests. That's been happening um, for the past year when my mom stands sometimes, she gets super lightheaded. So we are exploring kind of what might be the cause of that. Her circulation has gotten a little like poor. So getting a lot more information about that. And so with her and everything that I'm learning about her journey, about cholesterol and how to support cholesterol, it's uh, nutrition and all of that. I'm just so passionate about now. So I was realizing, okay, I cannot be, I don't want to be eating eggs for breakfast. And then I'm turning around and having hard boiled eggs during the day. So my breakfast now is I make a veggie hash each week and I do zucchini, eggplant, uh, bell pepper, corn, uh, onions, shaved Brussels sprouts. I mean, you name it. I chop it all up and I got one of those most incredible choppers from Amazon. I need to do an Instagram video about it. It has been a game changer for me or a YouTube video. So carrots, all the things. I chop it all up at the beginning of the week. I throw it in a pan, throw in some garlic, salt, and pepper, and then I make this hash. And one week... I I might put some ground chicken in it to add some protein or I'll put in some canned salmon. So I mix that up because I'm trying to incorporate more fish or tofu. Yes, I am the first time in my Weight Watchers journey truly exploring the world of tofu and it's not that bad. So that's been an exciting update. So that's what I do for breakfast. Uh, Then for lunch, I alternate between either having salad or soup, which is standard me always. That's my uniform of lunch meals. I have got my soups that are basically zero points or my very low point salads. And then for dinner, there's seven days in the week. So one night I will do, um, I love chicken, chicken breast, chicken, like lean chicken thigh without the skin. And I find what my body really tolerates well is like a protein, a a potato or a very small carb portion, and then a veggie. There's something magic about that combo that I can eat that. And the next day I'll see a, a drop on the scale as long as the rest of my day is within points. So, um, basically like a protein veggie starch night, a shrimp night where I do something with shrimp, usually fajitas, um, I, a mahi-mahi taco night. I get the frozen mahi-mahi from Costco, cook it up, shred it, 
And then I'll either have it like as a salad or tacos. Um, One night a week, I like to do a recipe that's more higher in points. So it's a fun recipe that I find in one of my zillions of cookbooks. And um, it's typically not a Weight Watchers recipe. I have fun with it. I just have fun with cooking. I love all the marinated meats from Trader Joe's. So that's part of the rotation. And then I usually have a miscellaneous night, which is either for leftovers or I'm going out to eat with friends. Um, And then I get the salmon fillets from Costco and I will take off the um, pesto butter or only cook with a little bit of it so it's not as high in point. So I have a salmon night. And then, of course, occasionally I'll throw in like a pizza night I love my spaghetti, so I still will do that. Oh my gosh, I have to tell you this story. I've been getting the brown rice jovial uh, cavatelli. It's angel hair pasta from Whole Foods. And I've been eating that for the past over a year. And I got a bee in my bonnet. I need to stop saying that expression because bees are on my S-H-I-T list right now. I got a wild hair that I was going to get whole wheat spaghetti. I haven't had true white spaghetti or whole wheat spaghetti in years. So the other night I decided to cook up some whole wheat spaghetti. And the next day when I weighed myself, I gained three pounds on the scale. So I do believe there's a correlation for me between gluten and it's essentially at this point in my journey on a day-to-day basis, I've cut out essentially dairy and I've cut out essentially um, gluten. And people say, oh, you look like you've lost so much weight in the past month or so. I haven't lost any more weight. In fact, I've gained a tiny bit, but it's the inflammation that just as soon as I eat it, my face swells up, puffs up. When I'm off the dairy and I'm off the gluten, my face is the first place you see the swelling goes down and it's just more. And another interesting thing that happened recently, I used to get the worst acne behind my neck. I would get huge pimples all behind my ear and my neck. And I thought it was a shower thing. Like I wasn't getting the shampoo out or was the conditioner that was clogging up my pores. It's food. Because in the last year that I have essentially cut out chocolate and white carbs and dairy, I have not been getting the acne behind my ears. And for Halloween... I got a king-size Butterfinger bar and a king-size Kit Kat bar. And the next day, the acne popped up behind my ears like clockwork. It's so cool to be on this journey over the course of several years and really be sober and aware of how your body's responding to things and noticing and having enough time where you've... um, limited certain things because I see correlations that are just, that boggle my mind. So, um, I'm doing, I'm bringing, I brought back popcorn. I had been off popcorn for a while. I'm cooking that up again and I'm doing the, 
um, overnight oats with just, you know, non-fat Greek yogurt, a little almond milk, and then I serve it up at night with a little whipped cream on top and it's like pudding and I absolutely love it. I'm wiped. We're sitting at one hour here. (laughs) I've tried to give you kind of an update overview of what's going on. Um, I can kind of talk to you about what my vision and goal is, but you're not going to be able to hold me to it because I'm just trying to figure it out as I go. But obviously my goal is to record more and have it up throughout the month And I feel good about it because like I've said in this episode, I needed some time this summer to just be with myself and have fun and be free and really put my weight loss journey to the test. It was incredible to me that I was enjoying food out with my friends and wine and I was walking and I was at my lowest weight and I was just living my life within balance It was just such a training wheels removed kind of summer. And I almost think it was good that I wasn't really recording because I was just living my life and really practicing all that I've been talking about in the podcast. Like if I'm not living it, what do I have to share with you? It comes to a certain place in my journey where it's like, I'm hope... Another thing I do want to say that also causes me to sometimes be frozen is I do have shame that obviously I'm not coming on the podcast and I'm like, I reached my goal weight. That bothers me. The perfectionist in me, the wanting to be the best for you. Like, is there something wrong with me that I have been doing this now since 2020 and I haven't reached my goal weight yet? And I know rationally and on such a deep level that when you are trying to heal a relationship with food that is very intertwined and connected with trauma, it's not just like a cut and dry process. And I've known throughout my whole journey that I've had to, I can go hard and then put on the brakes and try to have this all catch up with me and how am I doing and I'm emotionally okay because if I push myself too hard, you know the drill, we fall off the bandwagon and then we gain all the weight back and more and I don't want to do that. So it's just this very delicate dance with my mental health and my weight loss journey and making sure that I'm not pushing myself too hard and it's all within reason. So... I feel it like I feel because of all the therapy because of this summer that I had because I'm kind of got my groove back that maybe I don't want to put any pressure on myself that this could be getting to my goal weight could be very approachable to me um We'll see. We'll see. But I I do want to just add that that wears on me sometimes that I, and that's just the perfectionist in me and I'm not the guru and I'm not the expert. I am, I'd rather show up to you in my most human self. So to me, it's such an accomplishment that I've been able to keep the weight off that I've lost because my whole life has only told me the opposite. Since 2008, when I started going to Weight Watchers, it was lose the weight, gain it all back and more. Lose the weight, gain it all back and even more. 
So this just shows that the way I've done it this time in tackling my my tackling it as food sobriety and with trauma and the healing path that I've laid out for myself, like it's working. And that is so exciting to me. (sighs) Are we good? (laughs) Am I good? I've got my two dogs here. I mean, not anything has changed, friends. I've got my two cozy dogs here. I'm talking to you at 10 o'clock at night, Pacific Coast time. I've got QVC on. Soon my Christmas tree is going to be up. When I talk to you, it's all cold outside and I'm hunkered down. Um, I love it. I love it. And um, we got this. I'm cheering you on. And I will talk to you soon. Bye.